I'm Derek Gordon, and it's that Midnight Hustle, back with another Anatomy of a Match. I'm so glad that you guys enjoyed the last one that we did featuring Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Jake the Snake Roberts that I said, hey, why don't we go back to the Boston Gardens and capture another match? And I'm not going to do the whole intro where I'm explaining how I feel about professional wrestling or what my trained eye has got um, that I want to share with you. But what I do want to talk about briefly is tag team wrestling, because that's what we're going to be watching today. We're going to be watching a phenomenal house show match at the Boston Garden featuring WWF tag team champions, the British Bulldogs, against the Hart Foundation. Now, why do I want to talk about tag team wrestling? It's because, again, seems to be a lost art in the wrestling business. And I can understand it from an economical standpoint. I used to be a promoter with NWA Cyberspace many, many moons ago. And I understand that when you have a tag team match, there's four wrestlers in that ring, which equates to four paychecks at the end of the night. So when you have a tag team match with four people and you're building it up, let's say that's a tag team title match, then you've got to have another tag team match somewhere else at the bottom of the card so that after your champions beat these guys tonight, you've already built up their next contenders. So now we're talking eight men in two matches and eight checks at the end of the night. And economically, doesn't make sense. Not to mention, tag teams just aren't what they used to be. I mean, what you're going to see tonight between the Bulldogs and the Hart Foundation, these are four individuals who formed a team, dressed like a team, worked like a team, had a finishing move like a team. Unlike what you get today where you just take one guy over here, one guy over there, mash them up, let them win the championship. They're, they're, they're not consistent with each other's skill set. They don't have moves that, that complement each other. They don't work as a team. They come out to different fucking theme songs. They have different entrances. What is this? It's not teamwork. I'll tell you that much. But I miss it because tag team wrestling is an art. And it's funny because after we did the Jake the Snake Roberts, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat uh, matchup, I'm trying to think, okay, well, what other matches do I think are great that I think that um, aspiring wrestling fans or even old school fans can actually learn from? And I just happened to stumble across this match. Remember what I said last time. The house show business used to do things in a way where they would want you they engaged with you so you would come back. You would buy your tickets for the next show. You had to come and see it. And when you see the Hart Foundation, the British Bulldogs, battle on, on, on this card here, you're seeing a number of different things. You're seeing how tag team wrestling should be done by four of the greatest professionals to ever do it in the tag team business. You're showing what it's like to see Challengers chase around the champions around the circuit every night in and out saying, fuck, is tonight the night that we're going to win the belts? Is tonight the night that we're going to get our hands raised in victory? We've been going around the loop, going around the horn with these guys one night. Luck has got to strike on our side. And in this case, it almost does. Now, I'm not going to give you the particulars of this match. And like I said, I was just trying to figure out what match is going to be next. I happened to be taking a trip down the rabbit hole late at night. And, and I got to this match and I was like, wow, like 
for a house show match, something that wasn't even televised. This was just for the local audience in Boston, Massachusetts, the thought that went into it. And again, I don't think back in 1986, wrestlers were in the back huddling up saying, okay, we're going to do this spot first, and then you get your comeback, and I got to get these three moves in, and then they weren't doing that. These are four of the greatest tag team wrestlers ever working with each other. I'm pretty sure improvising the ring, yeah, of course they knew what the finish was going to be, but improvising in a ring that tells many, many different stories. And I was so impressed with this match. I said, yo, this has got to be the next one. This has got to be the one that I saw with this very unique genius eye of mine and said, man, there's things here that I can share. There are things here that people who want to learn, people who want to remember, people who aspire can take something away from it. You can absorb this like a sponge. So, without further ado, I want to get to this match. And I do want to say one last thing, is that I hope that after watching this match, you can appreciate more and understand the value, regardless of the cost, but understand the value of what good, proper, educated tag team wrestling is all about. So, if you're listening to us on Podbean, make sure you fire up the WWE Network. Thank you for um, kind of allowing us to uh, air this here. But, you know, I'm, I'm doing you the solid, man. I'm trying to get you subscriptions, all right? Yeah, you, I know. You don't need my help. But anyway, go to WWE Network. It is in-ring originals. Uh, not originals. It's in-ring. Uh, old school. WWE House Shows. It is the Boston Gardens, November 1st. 1986. It's the main event on that show. It's the one that closed out the night. And believe me, man, great undercard. I believe they had Steamboat and Savage, Piper against Morocco, and a host of other matches. But this is the one that closed the night out and sent the fans home happy. Ladies and gentlemen, it is WWF Tag Team Champions, the British Bulldogs, against the Heart Foundation. Look at look the way these guys fucking through the ring together. They're a team. They dress alike. They're on the same page, man. And what I love about this is is that um, they never had to steal each other's spotlight. Like, everybody says now, oh, who's the Marty of the team? Granted, here was probably the Anvil. It definitely was the Anvil. I mean, look at what Brett went on to achieve. But when you're looking at building a team, you got one guy that's power, total bull, just run through you, beat the living shit out of you, just pure brute power. And one guy who's speed. He has power of his own, but he's technically sound. He's the executioner of the team. And I know they do call him the excellence of execution. But you let the big guy go in there and soften him up. So that way the speedy guy, the technical guy, can go in there and work him over for the entire match. British Bulldogs, here they come. I mean, man, what a team. They changed the game, especially when they came on the scene in the WWF back in the 80s. Nobody had ever seen anything like this before, and it really changed the game of professional wrestling and tag team wrestling. Now, similar to the Hart Foundation, they also have the strength of Davey Boy Smith, and yes, while he did have speed, not at that the acceleration of the Dynamite Kid. I mean, when he snaps suplexes, it's ridiculous. His high-flying off-the-top rope moves. Again, Davey was the guy that would lift you up, gorilla press slam you, drop you down, hit you with the, with the running um, power slam. But Dynamite Kid was the one who was flip, 
flopping and flying all over the place and just doing the things that we had never seen before. So they complement each other here where you can really balance out Davy Boy Smith and Jim the Anvil Nineheart in strength and then the speed of the Dynamite Kid and Brett the Hitman Heart in speed and technical prowess. But as the years went on and Dynamite Kid got injured, British Bulldog ended up slimming down a bit, not saying losing muscle, but just trimming up, getting leaner, and he became just as good, if not better, than the Dynamite Kid, where, hey man, I'm wearing the shirt right now, SummerSlam 92, where he defeated Bret the Hitman Hart for the Intercontinental Championship at Wembley Stadium. So I'm telling you, man, British Bulldog's no joke. Um, so why is this match so important? British Bulldogs are coming into this match as WWF Tag Team Champions. As I mentioned before, you know that the Hart Foundation has been chasing them around the loop, wanting those titles. Interesting note here. Although they're Tag Team Champions, Dynamite Kid is injured. He's hurting. Around this time, Davy Boy Smith would be teaming up with other people like Billy Jack Haynes and Pedro Morales because there were nights that Dynamite Kid just wasn't physically able to work. In this match, you're going to notice that. Dynamite Kid spends most of the time on the apron, while Davy Boy Smith does the brunt of the work. I mean, we're talking probably 85% of the work. Dynamite will go in there, hit a snap suplex, do a couple little spots so they can say they saw him in the ring. But other than that, it's really the Bulldog show. It's really a two-against-one matchup. But uh, we'll discuss that as we see it. But there's, just because one man is injured, just because one guy may be physically incapable of really competing at his full potential, doesn't mean that he's not a strength or a strong part of this match and the intricate storytelling of this that, that, that we're about to witness here. So what do we do? Obviously, if the injured guy is hurt and, and he can't be in the ring too long, let's start off with him. Let's give the fans what they want. He's in peak condition. At least he looks like he is. Let's pair him up with Bret the Hitman Hart and say, okay, the battle of speed, the battle of technicalities, it's, it's what you want to see. The, the, like, like this here alone is a dream match in itself. Back and forth, they're so evenly matched. But notice, no bumping around just yet. Because it's probably something that Dynamite's back couldn't take at the moment. Funny thing is, though, as much as, as Dynamite is the light one, they throw him around a lot. Dynamite did a lot of damage to his own back. Diving off the top rope, snap suplexes, a bunch of shit. I mean, you're injured. You are beating the hell out of yourself. But here's what we're talking about storytelling. You get the Dynamite Kid in the corner early. You show him getting double teamed. You show that this guy is a house of fire. That there's nothing you can do to stop him. He's a firecracker. Yes, you pushed him in there. You double teamed him a little bit. He's a little fatigued. But the minute, it's, it's, like, it's like putting an animal in the corner. And the guy just broke out of it. Elbow to the one on the apron. Punch to the guy that's in the ring with him. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until he broke free. Showing that, you know what, once I get in, man, it's all over for you. Let me tag out real quick. David Boy probably asking him how he's holding up there. So, you know, hey, give me a signal when you want to come back in. Get your breath. I don't know if you're back. You maybe you pull something there. But the fans got to see you in the ring for a brief moment. Came in like a house of fire. Now let them work with me. Let me carry the load for the remainder of this match. Look at that. I, I love how the Hart Foundation would always go into the corner, whisper into each other's ears, saying, hey, listen, we're going to fuck these guys up really bad. Get them over here. Here's how we're going to screw them. And they always had these dirty, dirty tricks you've never seen anywhere else up their sleeves. But they worked as a team. 
Look how Brett sells. In 1986, before Mr. Perfect even came to the WWE, before he was a thought in the WWF, Brett the Hitman Hart was that guy. He was the Kurt Henning flying around the place. Now, keep in mind here, there's really no grudge. I mean, the grudge here is that they want the title. They want the championship. It's not like when we were watching Steamboat and Roberts and there had been a history there of him getting DDT'd on the concrete. This is the bad guys wanting the belt, the championships of the good guys. Jim the Anvil Neidhart comes to the ring. He says, hey, big boy, you think you're strong? You don't know what I can do. Let's match up that strength. You're the strength of your team. I'm the strength of mine. Let's get it. And for a big guy, Jim could bump around, man. Shout out to the Anvil. But again, when you look at the Hart Foundation, yes, the British Bulldogs, they've got the fans on their side. They're the good guys. They play by the rules. But with the Hart Foundation, they were tricky. They had the mouth of the South out there with the megaphone. <laughs> Here we go again. We're testing that power. Run into me. Run into me like, like a brick shit house. That's like running into a building. Try it again, big boy. Come on. Maybe the third time's a charm. Nah, baby. Nah, I'm picking you up. Let me show you what a power slam looks like. Well, not the best, not as good as yours, but good enough. And look at that action. They've done this before, and as I mentioned, you've got Jimmy Hart on the outside with the megaphone, but these are two guys. It's almost like watching a movie where, where, where two partners are planning a heist. Bret Hart, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, want to pull off a heist in stealing the WWF Tag Team Championships. What's smart here, they really haven't had to resort to cheating just yet. But what they've done so far is they've cut off the ring. You know in real life that you can't bring Dynamite Kid in. So why tease and have and throw Davey Boy Smith to the corner, have him bouncing off the ropes where he can tag out if he needs to? This is tag team wrestling where you cut off the ring, keep it in the corner. You don't have to cheat because, well, except for there. <laughs> but you have the quick tags in and tags out. That way, neither guy is getting tired. And they'd be posed more of a threat because now here I am working on this one guy. If we keep him in the corner, he'll never be able to tag out to the fresh guy, even though we all know he's hurt. But that's not really playing a factor in the anatomy of the match, per se. That's how you end up using dynamite. You don't sell the back injury. You don't tell people, hey, this guy's injured and, you know, you're not going to see much of him. You let him come in there to make the save. But keep in mind, the smart part here is cutting the ring off. They're not utilizing every pillar and post. They're not doing flips and Cirque du Soleil, all kinds of shit in the ring. They're making sure that they keep him in the corner, directly opposite of his, of, of his tag team partner. Dynamite's over there. Hey, ref, come on. Get your head out of your ass. My guy's getting his, his ass kicked over there. He's getting choked out by the illegal man. The legal man comes back in and makes sure that this guy is stabilized. Make sure you're keeping him right there. Brett doesn't even have to lay hands on him right now. They're working over Davey Boy so good. And just when you saw that Davey Boy might make that comeback, just when the fans had that glimmer of hope, a knee to the, to, to the back. Come on, man. The subtleness, the small things. And if I'm going to throw him outside of the ring, why would I throw him to the side where it's closer to the dynamite kid? No, let's scoop him up and let's slam him here on the hard concrete. There's no pad. Sell that for a little while. Let's break your back. 
whatsoever. Jim the Anvil Neidhart playing it smart, playing it smooth, telling the referee, hey man, um, listen, what, you know, a good steakhouse around this area? You know, just anything. Ah, oh, man, yeah, you got Pepto-Bismol in the back? I just farted and some squeaky shit just came out. It's a little wet. Maybe um, when we get to the back, you can hook me up with some Pepto. And out there, Brett is doing the work. He's taking the eyes away from the referee, taking the eyes away from the authority figure because we know that if you get disqualified, you end up losing your opportunity to winning the championship. You have to pin him in the ring. So let's weaken up, this, let's weaken up the strength guy. Let's blow him up. In the middle of the ring, now that you've taken him out of the corner, now that you've taken him out of the enemy territory, you see Davy Boy fighting to get to the other side because we know that that hot tag can make a difference. We know that once Dynamite comes in, it could be a house of fire. It could change the tide of this match. So what does Brett do? Let's get him out of commission. Let's give him a little bit of a kick. Obviously piss him off. Let's taunt him. He steps to the ropes because he's the illegal man. Go ahead, Brett. Talk a little more shit. Give him a mush to the face. Let the referee do some work. Turn his back so that we can do some tag team action. So we can perform some illegal activity here and take the bigger, stronger bulldog down. And in doing that, we're also taking him back to our side of the ring. Taking him back into enemy territory. Taking him back into a danger zone where he's basically 90 feet away from being able to tag out to his partner. Probably not 90 feet, probably less than that, but you know what I mean. I'm thinking pitchers and catchers. Anyway, tagging the fresh guy. It's all about constantly tagging. If one guy is in there too long, the way, the way Bulldog's been in there, you know there's going to be fatigue. Look how smart that is. Hitman gets caught off guard with a crucifix, goes in for, goes, Davy Boy goes in for the pin. He's able to kick out because Davy Boy's too fatigued to keep him down. Brett rolls up, drops two leg drops immediately, immediately. I've got to stop him. He's starting to feel himself again. He's starting to get that comeback. He's starting to feel strong. He's starting to feel a little energy. Now, cut that shit off at the legs right now. Drop those two leg drops, tag out to Jim. Jim's back in, put some power on him. What's the point of having Brett in there, hitting him off the ropes, going toe-to-toe? -to -toe? No, you bring the big guy in. Throw all your weight on top of him so he has trouble breathing. Yes, he's trying to power through. Yeah, he's trying to use all his shoulders. There we go, Brett. Pull him back. Pull him back to the corner and cut the ring off. We need him here. The closer he is to dynamite, the closer we are to having that fresh man in. We don't need it. Look at that, double DDT. So every time that the Bulldog, that, that Davy Boy Smith, is going closer to his corner to get that hot tag and get a fresh man in, Brett the Hitman Hart walks in to taunt Dynamite Kid to make sure that his that the Bulldog's illegal man steps through the ropes in front of the ref's eyes so the ref can reprimand him, give him a five count, tell him to go back to the corner, and while he's being reprimanded, they go to work on Davy Boy again, bringing him back into enemy territory and doing the damage. I know, it, it seems so subtle. It's, it seems like, duh, like this is what tag team wrestling is. But you know what? If you watch today's wrestling, they don't do that. It, it's a free-for-all. I mean, people are bouncing all over the places. They don't give a shit about the authority figure of the referee in the ring. 
they, they, I mean, they're outside hitting each other with chairs and going through tables and, 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 and double-team move after double-team move. They literally do it in the ref's face. Remember there used to be a wrestling rule book where you had a five count before, you know, before you get, um, once you tag in, you had a five count to go on the other side of the, side of the ropes? Well, they don't use that shit anymore. Now it's like, hey, all the double-team moves you can think of. Here you got to fight for it. And the Bulldog did the only thing possible. He used his own weight to push Brett into the corner to stun him a little bit. Because remember, Brett is pretty fresh. But the Bulldog is so out of it. Look at this, look at this. He's so weak, he couldn't even get, he couldn't even get the Gorilla Press right. And I'm not saying that he fucked up, because he didn't. He didn't. But you're showing, he's selling the fatigue. He's showing the fact that, here we go, House of Fire. House of Fire. So why does it make more sense? Again, in real life, we know that Dynamite is hurt. So Dynamite couldn't be the one bumping around the ring. But with a quick hot tag, Dynamite can be the one on the offense. Dynamite doesn't have to bump. Dynamite doesn't have to get hit. Dynamite doesn't have to sell. Dynamite has to go in there, blow up for a little bit, punching, kicking, suplexing, clotheslining, going off on these guys, evening the battleground. See that right there? I'm sure Dynamite's fucking hurting. Now let's see how long it takes for Dynamite to actually tag back out. Obviously, Davey Boy here, he's got to sell for a little while. But it, 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 it's, it's the point of the match where the Bulldogs have to come back to keep the fans happy. You can't have the fans groaning out there too long. So here we go, another ref bump. And what's going on during the ref bump? Well, granted, it was only only a forearm over the top of the head, but three men are down. The referee can't see this. I'm going to drag this guy. I'm going to drag my partner onto the guy that just took a viciously stiff forearm that knocked him out, knocked three guys out. Dynamite Kid, Brett the Hitman Hart, and the referee with a forearm. Hey, man, I'll buy you. It's the 80s. So what we're seeing here is that Bret Hart has had Dynamite Kid with, with, with his shoulders down for at least 10 seconds. We should have new tag team champions. We should, right now, the Hart fan actually should be walking out celebrating with, with the titles. And at two and a half, Dynamite will kick out. Davy Boy waiting for his spot outside the ring. Keep in mind, Dynamite really hasn't bumped, except for here. So what does he do? Let's do it again. Let's keep him down. Let's go to work on him. I don't understand why Dynamite is selling a, a forearm and, and a body slam for so long. And why Brett's getting a, 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 you know, a 40 count over here. But let's wake up the ref. One. Two. Very slow count because, of course, the ref, that forearm was devastating. <laughs> but the fans are losing their mind because in their head right now, they're saying, holy shit, if the referee was awake, we'd have new tag team champions. <laughs> All right, so let's keep in mind that it was the illegal bulldog that ended up rolling Jim the, Ni Jim the Anvil Neidhart for the victory. But what I want you to focus on here is Bret Hart. And I, I guarantee you, they're going to show it in a replay. Bret Hart is fatigued himself. 
Bret Hart has been hit numerous times. Bret Hart has been in this match working his ass off. He's depending on his tag team partner, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, to do whatever needs to be done to wake the referee back into consciousness while he covers the Dynamite Kid for a 30 count. Bret Hart turns his back for a second, assuming that Jim is going to work on the referee like, hey, ref, come on. Bret's thinking about what move am I going to put on Dynamite next to keep him down? What am I going to do just to lay him out? Don't worry about it. Let me take a breath over here. Let me regroup a little bit. Boom. <laughs> Let me regroup a little bit while Jim goes to get the referee. But meanwhile, what he doesn't know what's happening behind his back is that Davy Boy Smith rolls him up for the win. And what do we do? Yes, they lost the match. The Bulldogs are still the WWF Tag Team Champions. The Hart Foundation walks out like they've defeated themselves. Here's what I'm talking about. Here's the replay. Look at Brett the Hitman Hart. He's trying to figure out, Jesus, what do I do next? All right, let me let me figure this out. I'm going to get up. I'm going to work on Dynamite a little bit more. He's not really focusing on what's going on behind him because had he done it, remember, he's in the ring. He could have broken up that pin. He's thinking, what do I have to do to pin Dynamite Kid? And meanwhile, his team is losing the match right behind his back. So that was it, man. And, and, and I know you're like, this was a mediocre match at best. You're right. You're right. It's not a great match. It's not phenomenal. It wasn't the brilliant match that we saw with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Jake the Snake Roberts. But as a tag team, an aspiring tag team, somebody out there who might have a partner who just figures, hey, we go in there with our flashy outfits and we do some flips and all this other shit. And Listen, that's good. But be smart. Remember, if you believe, we'll believe. So what do we take away from this match here? Sometimes, in order not to lose a payday, sometimes when you're a champion, you got to go in and fight hurt. Sometimes, when you have the, the luxury of being able to depend on your tag team partner to carry the load, then you do that. You use yourself sporadically for the big spots, for the big comebacks, where you don't have to bump around and injure yourself to a position where you may end up, I don't know, risking your career, losing the titles, having the title stripped from you because you're unable to compete. So you work that out with your partner. Here's what we'll do. I'll come in, be the house of fire, I'll start things off, I'll keep it fresh, I'll give them what they want, boom, bang, ping, I'll tag out, you go in there, give them boom, bang, ping, but then they'll turn the tide on you. I'll stand on the corner wanting that hot tag, wanting you to tag me in right there. I'm here to help if you can only get to me. And that's where we flip the cards. Think like the bad guy. The bad guys want that title. They've been chasing for so long. They've gone around the loop wanting those belts. Again, it's not necessarily a grudge match where I gotta get revenge. It's challenger against champion. Because the only thing worth fighting for are the belts. The winner's purse. Becoming legendary champions of the world. That's the stake that's on the line. So as the bad guys, we whisper in each other's ears. Here's how we're going to scam them out of those titles. Here's, we're going to win by hook or by crook. We're going to plan the heist of a century. And instead of diamonds, instead of knocking off a casino, we're knocking off the tag team champions for those belts. 
So we whisper in each other's ears. We come up with these little plans that we discuss in the back. Hey, man, make sure that you bring him over here. And when you, when the ref's not looking, you can slingshot me in over the top rope. Or, you know, distract the referee. I'm going to go body slam him on the outside on the concrete. I mean, yeah, I know this is basic wrestling. But the genius was cutting off that ring. Yeah, man, you got an 18-foot ring, squared circle. You could bounce all around. You could do all kinds of fucking moves. But why? You don't have to. You don't have to. You cut off the ring. You keep him in your corner. Now it's a two-on-one. Dude, I'm standing on the outside of the ring. I'm not touching him. The referee's not looking. I'm yoking him out. I'm hitting him with a forearm. I'm poking him in the eye. I'm throwing a knee to the small of his back when he bounces off the ropes. But I'm keeping him in that corner because his only saving grace is directly across the opposite side of the ring. And as he fights and he pleads and he claws his way to get to that corner, we keep cutting him off. Cut him off at the fucking legs. Take it out of him. And when you can't take it out of him, you take it out on his friend because that guy wants to get into the fight. That guy wants to make a difference. So you taunt him. That way you don't get reprimanded all the time. So that way the referee's not like, hey, man, get out. I'm going to disqualify you. One, two, three. Again, back when it meant something. Now don't, don't mean shit, but whatever. Hopefully we get back there one day. But you taunt him. Now, granted, we don't want to win this match by a disqualification because you don't get the belts. But if I taunt you to come through those ropes, to get out of your corner, to come after me from all the taunting, or maybe I go over there and snuff you a little bit. And you want to come through, the referee goes to cut you off. Now the referee's focused on you, and I can fuck your friend up a little longer. Beat the shit out of him. He's already weak. We're going to cripple him because you were stupid enough to take the bait. That's smart. That's real smart. The ref bump, all right, it was a forearm. Maybe it could have been something bigger. Three guys were selling a forearm. I guess Jim Neidhart's forearms are like anvils, man. I don't know. Listen, I'm not one to judge over here. But... What they did end up doing was making a situation where the fans are so mostly invested in their main event that night at the Boston Garden that, holy shit, on two, maybe three opportunities, Bret Hart literally had Dynamite Kid pinned for 30 seconds. That if the referee was awake, he could have come, hit the one, two, three, we'd have new champions. We changed the course of events where now the Bulldogs are chasing the hearts around the loop trying to regain their tag team titles. You're putting it in the fans' heads right now like, oh my God, these guys, the way they cheat, they cheat so smart. They're not doing blatant stupid shit in front of the ref. They're doing things that are so smart that just one opportunity... One clear opening, if they can just sucker punch this guy in some way and, and, and manipulate the match in some way without knocking the ref out, these guys will easily be champions. These guys are a major, major threat to the championship, to your championship title reign. And you gave the fans a taste of that. You made them think, holy shit, if that referee was awake, forget about it. We'd have new champions right now. But, lo and behold, when the bad guy is there and you've established evil, I don't want to say evil doesn't, it never wins because clearly they do. But, when you get too cocky with it, it backfires and blows up in your face. Two or three times Brett had dynamite laid out for the one, two, three. 
Jim's trying to wake up the referee. who's like, dude, I cannot believe you are selling this fucking forearm. Come on, get up. Go over there and count. Brett's already, oh, man, after two. I'm like, All right, let me think. What can I do? He's over there fixing his knee pads in the corner, trying to get his shit figured out. Then the illegal man, which is hysterical. It's the irony. It's the Murphy's Law. I'm not going to say Murphy's Law, but it's the irony of here you are cheating, but the illegal good guy is the one who ended up getting the pinfall. So, yes, you had the bomb set, but it blew up in your face, not ours. And the way Brett sold it at the end while he's in the corner trying to regain his composure, trying to fix his knee pads, trying to figure out what the next move is over here. All right, let let Jim go back there, get the referee ready. I'll probably end up hitting this guy with a pile driver again, and then when you get bring the referee here, we'll have him beat. David Boy's on the outside, conked out. No, 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 no. David Boy came back in while your back was turned, while you're messing with your knee pads. You're in the ring. You could have turned around easily, and you could have stopped that count, but you didn't because you took it for granted because the cockiness of a bad guy made you think that you had this in the palm of your hand and that you have pinned this guy Twice already. And it's just a matter of getting again while the referee is awake. So yeah, not the greatest match in the world. Yes, we were overcompensating. Davey Boy Smith had to do the brunt of the work because Dynamite Kid was injured on the back. Or injured with his back. But just the finesse of two teams, how they work, how they manipulate the system, how they work as a team, how they have that built-in trust with each other, and they're on the same page. How they work that referee, how they cut off the ring. Come on, man. That is tag team wrestling. Now, in the future, there is a match that I want to go over with you guys because you want to talk about matches that just go non-stop, and I'm like, holy shit. You know what? I'm not even going to tell you what it is now, but it's one of my all-time favorite tag team matches that I can watch over and over and over again. And you want to talk about finesse. You want to talk about good versus bad. You want to talk about how the bad guys manipulate the system. Mm. Man, I can't wait to go over that match with you. Not going to tell you now because knowing you, you're going to end up going to watch that match without me and then we can't even have this kind of conversation. So for now, I want you to take this knowledge, put it in your pocket here, use it if you're in a tag team, man. Hey, watch that match with your partner. Work it out. Figure out moves amongst each other. If you're injured and you still need that payday, you still that weekend warrior, you still that guy, just look, learn a little something from here on how you can still be effective in the match without really being a part of it. 110%, as they say. Um, Man, there's so much to take away from here. There's so much good. But you know what? I'm out of time. And I know you're going to miss this pretty face, but don't worry. I'll be back with more anatomy of the match again thanks and shout out to the wwe network for having this available if you're looking for it again it is the november 1st 1986 matchup main event at the boston garden i'm Derek gordon this is the midnight hustle can you dig it <laughs>